chapter number four and verses number nine is where we'll begin our reading. We'll read down to uh, verse number 11, okay? Second Timothy four and verse starting in verse number nine. The Bible says, do thy diligence. It comes shortly unto me for Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd help us now as we stand to preach the word of God. Pray that you'd help us as we Deliver the thought that you've placed on our heart. We thank you and praise you. Give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Say that sinner nearest hail. Amen and amen. Now we read from these verses of scripture uh, last Sunday. And uh, we were talking about how that had it not been for Barnabas, uh, then Paul would not have been able to say uh, that Mark was profitable unto him. Mark was not profitable unto Paul because of Paul's uh, willingness to help Mark, but Paul, uh, Mark was profitable uh, unto, uh, unto Paul um, because of Barnabas, okay? Barnabas, uh, we understand according to Acts chapter number four, was the son of consolation. And he had been given that name, of course, as we stated, because of the attributes uh, in which he uh, uh, expressed, if you will. Uh, but I thought about how Wednesday nights we've been talking about, uh, of course, our statement of faith and we dealt with the uh, triune Godhead and we talked about uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you understand that uh, the Christians were first, uh, or the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch, right? And to be a Christian, we know, is to be a follower of Christ. And so we know that Paul, he uh, got born again and his life took a different shape and he got serious about his service for the Lord and Paul was a Christian. Paul tried to form his life uh, in the direction of God, to be looked at by mankind of his light so shine before men that no doubt people looked at Paul's life and knew there was something different about Paul. And so there's this contrast that we find in the book of Acts in chapter number 15, this, this uh, problem that has arisen between Paul and Barnabas. And let me read these verses quickly by way of a remembrance here. Acts 15 and 36 said, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city, where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him uh, with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through uh, Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. So Paul uh, was trying to stay faithful, be faithful, uh, to, to act like Christ, look like Christ, walk like Christ, 
shape his life like Christ and be that of a Christian, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he had not much patience for one who would turn back from the work or to yield to the things of this world or to whatever reason get soft in their work. Paul was not a soft man. Paul was a very hard man. Paul was very hard towards Christians when he had them killed. And when he became a Christian, he was very hard in his service for the Lord. He was the kind of person that you would want to try to be like if you were going to look at someone from a carnal standpoint and shape your life after them because he tried to shape his life after that of Christ. And so he didn't have much uh, compassion, if you will, towards John Mark because of John Mark's willingness to turn back from his journey that he had set out on with Barnabas and Paul. Now we stated last week that Barnabas, no doubt, is the one that gave Paul a chance when no one else would give him a chance. And now here's this situation as it arises. But here's what I want you to notice. We can say that Paul is a Christian and Paul is Christ-like. And Paul is trying to do what God would have him to do and be what God would have him to be. But Barnabas is this son of consolation. Now I began to think about it as I studied the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you remind, you're reminded that Jesus said that the Comforter would not come until he ascended into heaven. And what does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit is likened unto that of a Comforter. You know what comforter means when you look up that of the Holy Spirit and you look up that of the comforter, it means consolation. You know what I find when I look at Paul and I look at Barnabas? Paul was shaping himself to be Christ-like, but he was missing the attitude of the Holy Spirit when he considered John Mark. And Barnabas was a Christian who had the attributes of Christ, but also had the attributes of of the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit done? The Holy Spirit knocked on my heart's door one day when I was a hellbound sinner and let me know that I was in need of a savior because I was on my way to hell. And Barnabas here understood and had compassion on a man because he seen John Mark not for what John Mark was, but what John Mark could be. And that's what Christ done at Calvary when he hung on the cross at Calvary. He seen you and I for what we could be, not for just what we was. And so what I want us to look at tonight is there's a balance here that has to be struck. And what we must do is uh, when you balance something, Brother Shane, you have to weigh it. And uh, if I want to get things balanced properly, I'm going to have to take a measurement or a weight or add to something or take away from something to strike that balance. And here's what happened. Things between Barnabas and Paul got out of balance. Somebody, both of them were trying to do right. One was being Christ-like. One had the attributes of the Holy Spirit. They both had the attribute of the triune Godhead. But the problem was they got out of balance. And you know what happens to us sometimes? I'm afraid that in our day-to-day -day life, we simply get unbalanced. And you know what we need? You know what happens when you get your car going down the road and it starts shaking? You stop somewhere at the co-op down there and tell them you need somebody to check your tires Rotate your tires and give you a front end alignment. Because things are out of balance. And simply what I want you to understand <clears throat> is this. Later on in Paul's life, when he's writing these prison epistles, when he's writing to Timothy, and he's saying to Timothy, he said, do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. He said he's had some that's forsaken him. He's got Luke that's with him. But he said, take Mark and bring him with thee. If I take Brother Shane, I'm going to grab him and go.
He's saying, swing by and grab John Mark and bring him because John Mark is profitable unto me. Can I say to you, John Mark had the potential of being profitable to Paul all along. John Mark needed somebody like Barnabas who had the attributes of the Holy Spirit. And you understand that we as Christians, to be Christ-like, must have the fruits of the Spirit. So to be Christ-like means we're also to have the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was Jesus because of the spirit and the soul that was in the body of flesh. You do need to understand that today. And so if you and I are going to be Christ-like, we're also going to have to have some attributes of the Holy Spirit. And so what we find here is there was something that was lacking in Paul. Paul hadn't reached the place where Paul understood how to balance what he was doing. And I'm afraid we're that way. There's, there's a problem in the church today where you have some people that get like John Mark. And uh, they turn back, if you will. They look over their shoulder. It got a little rougher than they expected, and they retreat. Then you've got some that are like John Mark, I mean like Paul, rather, that uh, they're hardened. You know, they've been through it. They've gone through it. They've seen it. They're going to do regardless. You can count on them when no matter what happens, they're going to be there. But sometimes they get this attitude uh, that those that have turned their back no longer have the potential of being profitable. And I want us to understand today, friend, I can't do it on my own. Now, I can be what God called me to be. You can be what God called you to be. But you do need to understand something. We are a body, the Bible says, fitly framed together. And you have a job to do, and I have a job to do. And the more people, more body parts that we have working together in unison on this body, the better off and the more that we are going to get accomplished. So let me say this to you. If my hand decides it don't want to do anything anymore, Brother Shane, I'm going to go to the doctor and find out what's wrong with my hand. I'm not going to take an axe and lob it off. I'm going to do what I can to try to get my hand back in service again. Why? Because my hand is profitable under this body. And uh, this hand may be working and this hand may be not, but I'm not going to cut this hand off. I'm going to give it a little extra attention or a little extra care to try to get it working properly again. All right, so Paul realized later on in life that there was one that was profitable. Now, let me say to you, profitable is this. It's useful or advantageous. Advantageous means beneficial. Beneficial means helpful. And helpful simply is that gives aid or assistance, that which gives aid or assistance. In other words, what uh, Paul is saying is here, he will give me aid and assistance. And this job that I'm trying to accomplish for the Lord, he would benefit me in that area where at one point in Paul's life, Paul's like, I don't need him. He's not any help to me. He's not beneficial. Really what he is, he's a weight to me and he's going to drag me down. There are some times when I need to run to the store that I don't take anybody with me when I go because I need to run in and I need to run out. And if I take everybody with me, we got to have three bathroom breaks. Somebody needs a drink. Somebody wants a cracker. We drop the juice in the floor. You see what I'm saying? It's not advantageous. It's not helpful. It's a, it's a drain or a strain on what I'm trying to accomplish. And Paul simply thought, well, Mark's a strain on me and he's not going to be beneficial to me in the ministry. Let me say to you, when we get the attitude that all people are to us is a strain I used to remember working with my grandfather. He was he was really good at what he done. But he worked so many years by himself that when you'd go with him to try to help him, you were in his way more than you was anything else. And by the time I was about five, 
till I got up to about 18. I wasn't really any help to him. I was a hindrance. But there was a time, Brother Shane, when he called me and he said, I got a problem. He said, I got a house that I need to plumb. And his health was so bad that he couldn't get it finished and the job was already started. I went down there, Brother Shane, and I finished that plumbing job by myself. I was beneficial to him. I wasn't when I was five. But when I got older, I went down there and plumbed the house and the house got finished and he got paid and all was well. Can I say to you, sometimes we have the attitude that people are not worthy or worth our time or our effort because they're a drain or a strain. But if we can ever get them to where God wants them to be, they can be profitable and beneficial to us. So here's what I want to say to you tonight. We get the attitude sometimes that uh, we don't want things to be messed up. Listen, even in a church service, and I, I'm, I'm like this, listen, I don't want things to get uh, messed up in a church service, and I don't want uh, things to get out of order, and I believe that things ought to be right. I believe things ought to be in order, and you don't need any foolishness going on in the house of God when, when church time is going on, but we have the fear that things could get out of order. You know, we're careful we don't open the floor sometimes for testimony because some Jake leg might say something that's stupid. Or we might not ask for songs. He might got a request because somebody might want to sing a song that's not doctrinally sound. And when we have those attitudes, and listen, I'm the same way, and I appreciate having somebody with some understanding and some discernment. But here's the thing. When we start balancing things, we have to weigh them and make sure that we've got the right balance. We cannot lock the church service down because there's more people here that, that are involved in worship than just me. But I'll say this, if we let it loose and let it go, it can go crazy and go awry. And it's all messed up. You know what the problem is I find? It has to do with inconveniences. So what do you mean, preacher? Paul was inconvenienced by uh, John Mark. And so here's what I thought about. A lot of people don't want to be bothered by the inconvenience of dealing with issues because they don't want to train through the issues. It's easier not to have any issues and everything to be okay and nobody to do anything ignorant because we don't have to, we don't have to look at the elephant in the room, so to speak. And I'm gonna, I thought about this. And what made me think about this when I read these verses of Scripture, the Lord just dealt with my heart repeatedly for a couple of weeks about where would I be Today, if I hadn't had some Barnabases in my life, I haven't got away from that since I studied it. And I haven't got away from that since I preached on it the other Sunday. Lord just keeps dealing with me over and over and over. And I've thought about every stupid thing I've said in church. I've thought about every blunder that I've made. I've thought about some of the times that pastors had asked me to preach when I was a young preacher. And I made a blunder or a mistake. And I'm thankful that they helped me get to where I'm at today because if they hadn't helped me, I'd still be making the same mistakes that I was then and I wouldn't be worth my salt today. So here's what I began to think about. A lot of people don't want to be bothered by the inconveniences of dealing with the issues because they don't want to have to train through it. There's going to be mess ups. See, I thought about that. My problem today is sometimes I feel like I try to eliminate the mess-ups. And I try to eliminate things from going awry. What I really ought to do is understand that beyond a shadow of a doubt, there will be mess-ups. My kids back there are going to make mistakes. They are going to mess up. They're going to need somebody to come back to them and help them and train them through it. 
It would not be right. It would be abuse for me to expect perfection out of imperfected people. And we do that sometimes. And, and here's what I, I, I don't I don't want us to get into a trap at Mount Tabor Baptist Church of actually pushing the Holy Spirit out of a worship service because we get to the place where we want to control the mess ups out of our service. And I do that. I've done that. I've been that way my whole life because I've seen a lot of ignorant things go on. I've seen people say things and take over church services and, and take the floor and the platform and everybody in the building wanted to crawl under a pew and die because what was being said was so out of order. We can't have that. We have to strike a balance. And so with balance comes discernment. I understand that. We can't be so much like Paul that, it, that we, we don't let anybody do anything and we can't be so much like Barnabas that everything goes. But there's a balance. Barnabas seen potential in John Mark. Obviously, there was potential because later on, what was it that Paul said later in his ministry? Mark, it's profitable unto me. That don't mean that we let everybody that made a mistake keep making the same mistake. But it means that when we see a mistake happen, we have to train through it. If I had been, listen, the only way to have kept me from making some of the mistakes I made was to have taken the opportunity away from me. And I want you to understand something today. Barnabas did not allow the opportunity to be taken away from John Mark to reach his potential. Barnabas, though, was willing to stick with him and help train through it. And I appreciate that. We have to do that. There will be mess ups. There will be embarrassing moments. But we use the experience to train through it. And most people ignore the issue. And no one learns from it when we ignore issues. No one learns from mistakes when there's no opportunity. But no one learns from mistakes if we don't call them out either. And so we don't do it in an embarrassing way. We do it in a training way, in a loving manner. Listen, there's nothing wrong with a preacher taking another preacher to the side, wrapping his arms around him in the privacy of his office and loving him and say, look, brother, I need to explain to you why this isn't right. And then you train through it. You get somebody that wants to stand up behind the pulpit and sing Jesus take the wheel. You lob that thing off and you stop it right there and you train through it. But you're not mean to them and you don't let this stuff continue on and you explain why that's not right and you train through it. When you ignore it though, you know what happens? Jesus just keeps taking the wheel. Then you got problems in the congregation in the service and things are out of order. And so we got to strike a balance because I'm afraid what happens is we can actually uh, uh, handcuff the Holy Spirit from doing what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our midst if we're not willing to train through some of these things, okay? And so moving right on here, uh, we, you understand Paul said he, he, was, he likened his, uh, his uh, life to that of a race, right? To that of a course. He finished his course with joy. He ran the race. And we talked and have preached on how that you cannot continually, you can't hit the starting gate wide open and never stop because we're carnal flesh. And our ability to run only allows us to run so far before we have to slow down and take a break. And we preached about how we have to come apart or we will come apart. All right. And we have to take a moment to breathe and a moment to rest. And we preached on how Christ took the disciples and he told them to take rest for they had not even time to eat food. He understood that they were working within the confines of their bodies, their flesh. 
And I realize that you and I, although we can we can work and have the Holy Spirit to help us, and we don't do what we do in the power of ourselves, we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, but we still work within the confines of our flesh. And guess what? I can't be Mount Tabor Baptist Church. And you can't be Mount Tabor Baptist Church. We are Mount Tabor Baptist Church. And when we come into the God's house, do you realize it's not all about me? It's about you. And it's about us worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And everyone in the sound of my voice that comes through those doors should take part in the service. That does not mean that everybody has to testify. That don't mean everybody has to say, well, let's sing this song or let's do that. But it means that everyone should come in feeling like they are a part of a body that's here to worship the Holy Spirit, worship God, the Father and the Son for what the Son done. And we're here to praise the Lord and we're here to, 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 to uplift and magnify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just for me to come and give you a message. Sometimes the message that God lays on the pastor's heart is not a feel good message. I would say that this morning you probably wouldn't classify my message as a uplifting, feel-good message. Now, I will say this. People that have a problem being corrected are never going to do anything for the glory and for the honor of God. And we don't aim to correct out of a mean heart, but we aim to correct or preach or, or reprove out of love. And we're just giving you a, a stern warning from what God's Word has to say. But I'll say this. There's no reason why we as the people of God, listen, I don't have a problem with anything that happened today and there was nothing wrong with any church service. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but I'm saying that we as the people of God, when we come in and we open the songbook, it's not about me. It's not about Brother Martin. It's not about Miss Weekly. It's about everyone that's holding the songbook to purposely look into your heart and think to yourself when you sing the words on the pages, am I uplifting and magnifying the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? And it's not about me and it's not about an individual. It's about a body. And what we should do as a body is come to the house of God with one thing in our heart. And that is to receive what thus saith the Lord God and to take what we speak out of our mouth or sing from our mouth and uplift and praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our goal. Okay. So I thought about this. You can't run wide open all the time and you can't do everything on your own. I can't be Mount Tabor Baptist Church. We are Mount Tabor Baptist Church. What I'm here to do is help kind of direct us and guide us and lead us along, okay? So you can't run wide open without coming apart and taking rest. And you can't do everything by yourself. And guess what? You're not supposed to. It's not my job to do everything by myself. And sometimes I, I, I look at it sometimes like, like that, not meaning to. That's not the ultimate goal. Now, let me say this. We, we start considering liberty. Have you ever heard a preacher stand behind the pulpit and preach a message and say, well, I had good liberty today. And you know where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, right? And we want liberty. The idea is to have the spirit here, not to run the spirit off, right? And so when you get things indecent and out of order, the Holy Ghost is not within 100 miles of that. All right? But at the same time, when you have everything clamped down so tight no one can breathe, the Holy Spirit's not involved in that either. I, might I remind you that David come under uh, scrutiny from his wife because he danced in the street before the Lord. He made a fool of himself for the Lord. He wasn't out of order. It's okay to, to, to do what you do for the glory 
for the honor of God, right? So, so liberty, the definition of liberty is, uh, is freedom from restraint. You know what we do sometimes at the house of God? We clamp down so tight that there's just restraint. All right, but Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now, can I say to you that Paul wasn't wrong, uh, Brother Shane, in his expectation of himself to be all that he could be for the Lord. And Paul wasn't wrong for expecting John Mark to be the same way. And so what he had to do was realize that although he didn't have to yield or allow John Mark to feel like it was all right to do what he'd done, he could still help him and mold him and shape him into being what it was that Paul even expected from himself. Barnabas did not give John Mark an excuse to be one that turned back on God. He just took him and tried to help him through another opportunity to be more than what he was before. All right, and so can I say this? When we talk about liberty, we're not saying that Mark, John Mark had the liberty to do what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, and how he wanted to do it. There's still guidelines. The Lord still expects some things from us, but thank God he's a God of mercy. And the son of consolation was such as, as the attribute of the Holy Spirit that he went back to, aren't you glad the Holy Spirit comes back to you over and over and over again? I'm glad for the second chances and the opportunity that the Holy Spirit gives me. We talked this morning about how if you don't, if you don't have chastisement, then you're bastards and not sons. You know what chastisement is? It's the Holy Spirit dealing with you and you've done wrong. Paul was going to walk away from John Mark. Barnabas walked to John Mark and said, let me help you help yourself. Now, I do want to say this. When we strike this balance, you know what we do? We help those that are willing to help themselves. He's seen something in John Mark that would be profitable in the ministry. And as we find what Luke or what Paul said, he said he was profitable. Being. He is profitable in the ministry. Later on down through life, Paul was able to understand that. And you and I have to have some discernment when we weigh this thing out. And when we balance, we have to have a measurement of weight. And measurement is discernment. We have to discern how to balance this thing out. And we have to look at people and try to help them. That does not mean that somebody who does not want to help themselves needs us giving them opportunities to do things that they're just going to continue to fail at because they have no desire to do them. The Bible doesn't say John Mark had no desire to do anything for the Lord. John Mark was young in the Lord and he needed someone to continue to help them. So there is a balance. And I, I preach this way tonight because I fear that people might think that I lean real heavy on giving people all the chances in the world. And I think what happens is we just need to give them opportunity to help themselves, to give them a leg up to do better. If somebody wants to do better and better themselves, we ought to help them. I did not have an ill heart when I was making stupid comments from the pulpit as a young preacher. I had, I had all the heart in the world. I was just dumb as a box of rocks. And I needed somebody more wisdom than me to set me down and explain to me, number one, boy, you're dumber than a box of rocks, and here's why. And love me and help me get on through it. And so I appreciate that. All right. And so uh, I like what one writer said. He said it this way. He said, we do believe in the liberty of the believer as he stands in Christ and has been set free. However, 
Liberty must never be used for an occasion to the flesh, but as an opportunity of love to serve one another. Most of what is called Christian liberty today is nothing but self-indulgence and an excuse to run straight towards the world in the name of conscience and liberty. Uh, it's misused and misguided and it's disgraceful to Christ. And so Christian liberty is not but that we're saved by the marvelous grace of God and we can do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. Barnabas was not telling John Mark, John Mark, you can do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, and however you want to do it. Actually, he done the opposite. He went to Mark and said, you're going to go with me, and Paul's going to obviously take Silas with him, and I'm going to stay with you and help you. I'm glad the Holy Spirit, when I mess up, stays with me and helps me. Notice that this, this Barnabas, the son of consolation, the comforter, stayed with John Mark in spite of John Mark's self. You know what happened when we got saved? The Holy Spirit moved on the inside, and Brother Shane, he stayed with me. He didn't leave me. He doesn't, he doesn't run off. He stays with me and helps me, and that's how I know uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt that he loves me and cares for me because he treats me as a father with his child, and I thank God for that. When Paul wanted to leave, Barnabas wanted to stay. And I thank God for that. All right, we have, uh, understand that we have personal accountability to Christ. And so Paul understood what he was, what he was up against here. And he said, uh, and so your service is, a, is, is as personal, listen to me now, your service to the Lord is as personal as your salvation. It's as personal as your salvation. Our accountability to Jesus Christ should be the controlling factor in all that we say and all that we do. Because we're going to answer to him, not only to him, Brother Shane, but we're going to answer before him. We will answer individually. So what do you mean? No one else, Brother Shane, could save me but Christ. No matter who wanted me to get saved, no matter who wanted to help me get saved, nobody could save me but Christ. My salvation was personal between me and the Lord. And that's the way that my service is. It's between me and the Lord. I'll answer for what I do or don't do in my service to the Lord. Romans 14 and 12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. You know, that is what Paul was driving Paul to go on because he knew that this was expected of him. This is what made Paul want to leave Barnabas. I mean, leave Mark because this is what he expected, what Christ expected out of him. But this is what made Barnabas want to go to Mark because Barnabas understood that to Mark that this is what was expected out of him. It's amazing how something can cause one person to run one direction and one person to run the other. And I'm afraid that's what's happening in our independent Baptist churches today, mind you. There's some people running in this direction when they ought to be running in this direction. Now, let's go to Romans chapter number 12 where Brother Shane was at this morning. Let me read to you a verse of Scripture quickly. Let's read verse number 1. The Bible says that I beseech you therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now we know that present is to offer. All right? Living sacrifice, holy, except one to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed. What does conformed mean? So says, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. Conformed and transformed seem a lot alike. If you start trying to define confirmation or transformation, those seem a lot alike with one exception. It says, and be not conformed. Conformed is reduced to a likeness of. Transformed is changed in form of external appearance. So you're not reducing anything when you transform it, but you're reducing it when you conform. All right, and so the Bible says, and be not conformed or be not reduced to the likeness of this world, but be ye transformed or be ye changed in form of external appearance by the renewing of your mind. What did we talk about this morning? You know what happens to us? Our mind gets messed up. We get deceived. And we start conforming to this world. But what we need is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly. Isn't that interesting? It's when a man starts thinking more highly of himself that this thing starts happening of confirmation to the world. You are reduced to the likeness of this world when you start thinking more highly of yourself. Then he ought to think, but to think soberly. You know what happens when you think more highly of yourself than you ought to think? You get deceived and you do not think soberly. You do not think in your right mind. As we preached this morning, the maniac of Gadara was clothed in his right mind. He was sober. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one, every one member is one of another. Having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on our minister, ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now we understand here, I hope that you understand here, when we're dealing with our service to the Lord that when we get uh, high and mighty, we're going to fail. We're going to be, uh, we're not going to be sober. We're not going to think right. But we're to, we're to be transformed, changed in the form of just external appearance. Then it says renewing. The renewing of your mind. You know what renewing means? It means to transform to a former state. So that means that when Paul is writing this, he's understanding that one should not be conformed or reduced to the likeness of this world, but they should be transformed, changed in the form of external appearance by the renewing, which is to transform to a former state. He's talking to people that's made the mistake that we were talking about this morning, who had got so high-minded that it caused them to be cloudy in their judgment, cloudy in their way of thinking, and it caused them to be reduced to the likeness of this world. And that's what happens when you and I think too much of our self, but we are to be renewed. That means to be new again, to transform to a former state. Let me read to you quickly 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 
So now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive, this is verse number eight, shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Paul was a laborer. He was laboring for the cause of Christ, and he thought that uh, that John Mark was going to be uh, someone that was going to drag him down. All right, but we understand here, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, another man buildeth their own, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which we have built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Let me say this, Paul was working. He talked about running a race and when you run a race, you run that, that you may win. That only one wins the race, right? Everybody might finish, but one wins the race. And he's talking about running like you might win. And he has this mindset that he's going to to, to give his best and he's going to do his best because it is our reasonable service to offer ourselves to God. But he understood in this passage of Scripture in Romans that although he deserves that, we are going to have to be renewed. Do you know why? Because there was a place when Paul got into his ministry where he understood that when he would do good, Evil was present with him. There come a time when Paul realized that you start out good, but there could be some things that come up in your life that can cause you to get derailed. And then he says here, he says, be not conformed, be not reduced, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He needed to be brought to a place of renewal in his ministry, Brother Shane. Paul understood that one needed renewal. And I think Barnabas had that understood all along. Paul was early in his ministry when he was running with Barnabas. Barnabas already had some some time under his belt, some notches under his belt, if you will, in the ministry. And he understood what it is to help one on. All right, but here's the thing. When Paul writes to the church of Corinth, he's talking about uh, if any man build upon this foundation, we're talking about works here. Works not of salvation, but works for the glorification of God. Said foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hair, stubble. Every man's work should be made manifest for the day shall declare it. Paul always had his mind on the fact that he had one life to live and it was either going to be wood, hair, stubble, or it was going to be gold, silver, precious stones. You know what Barnabas realized? Barnabas realized that he had one life to live, but so did John Mark. And so while he was concerned about the wood, hay, and the stubble in his own life, he was concerned about the wood, hay, and stubble in others' lives. Because guess what? If I glory God, uh, if I bring glory to God, what have I done? But if I help you bring glory to God, then we have done something for the cause of Christ. I and myself am worthless. I am no good. I was no good when he saved me. And and apart from him, I'm no good today. But he died that I might bring glory and honor unto him. And guess what? If I'm the only one bringing glory and honor to him when I am allowing someone else to go by the wayside when I could be helping them bring glory and honor to God, I'm failing. I should do what I should. I should do what I do. Not only to bring glory and honor from my life to him, but to help you bring glory and honor to him in your life. You can be a Barnabas today and help that come to pass. 
2 Corinthians 5 and 8 says, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone, brother Shane, may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. Now, this is not the great white throne judgment. This is the judgment seat of Christ that every born again believer uh, will be at, and we will have an opportunity uh, by the works which we have done on this side of eternity to have something for our works. Not that we can keep it, but that when we get in the presence of an almighty God, in the presence of Christ Jesus, the one that died for us, that we will be awestruck by his presence and offer to him what we have been given because of what he has done for us. So here's my thing. It shouldn't just be about what I can give to him. But it should be our concern because he's so great and so magnificent for what he has done and for who he is. That it should not just please me to try to get a well done, thy good and faithful servant. It should be my goal for you to get one as well. Because when I get it, I've only offered him what I can do. But when you get it and I've helped you get it, we as a body can offer him what we can do. And I thank God for that. Now let me leave you with this thought and I'll be finished tonight. Proverbs 24 and 16 says this. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. This is the verse I was trying to find in my memory the other night when I was preaching and just couldn't pull it out. It said, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. What does fall? What is the definition of fall? Let me, let me give you the definition here. Fall is to drop from a higher place. To descend... By the power of gravity alone. To be degraded. Do you know what degraded is? Reduced in rank. Deprived of an office or dignity. Lowered. Sunk. Reduced in rank. Now let me, let me remind you. Uh, if I can here. That to fall. We understand is. To, uh, conformed is reduced to a likeness of. We read that in Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 2. Be not conformed to this world. What does that mean? Reduced to a likeness of. What is it to be degraded? Reduced in rank. That is what fall means. Proverbs says, for a just man falleth. For a just man can be reduced in rank. For a just man can be conformed to this world. Now, listen to me. The difference is the motivation of your heart. Uh, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. The Bible doesn't liken someone who falls or is reduced to this state as being inherently wicked. And we contrast this when we look at Peter and we look at Judas Iscariot. Now, we discussed Judas this morning and we understand what he done. And we understand that he not only denied Christ, but he sold Christ. All right, But Peter denied Christ three times. And Judas sold him. But Peter would make a mistake and he wouldn't hang out there. Peter, you know, when he got off the boat and he stepped out onto the sea, he was walking towards Christ, but he did what? 
he failed. He faltered. And he started going down. But you know what he done when he started going down? He cried unto the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus helped get him back to the boat. Now think about this. So Peter would make a mistake and he wouldn't hang out there. But Judas pre-planned what he was going to do. Peter was walking towards Jesus when he started sinking. Judas was walking away from him. Peter failed when he denied Christ three times, but he got himself up, dusted himself off, and he got back in the game. Now you need to, you need to realize that Peter, well, the Bible says in this account where when he denied the Lord three times that he followed the Lord, but he followed him afar off. Now do you know what happens here when we fail, when we fall short, when we, when we are reduced in rank? The Bible says a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall in the mischief. Do you know what Barnabas done? He simply went to John Mark and helped John Mark get back up again. Now here's what we and I need to realize. The Bible says for a just man fall how many times? Seven times. Seven is a perfect number. You and I need to realize that mankind, Mark, Paul was ready to walk away from John Mark when John Mark fell one time. The Bible says here, for a just man falleth seven times. We talk in the Bible and we talk about forgiveness and it's 70 times seven. And it's a picture of infinite. It's a picture of as long as one's willing to, and see that, and this is interesting because, and I ain't got time for this, but we talk about forgiveness. Listen, we, we have a misconception of forgiveness in the scripture. Everything we do is supposed to be Christ-like, right? We're supposed to mold and shape ourselves after Christ. Do as Christ done. Think like Christ thinks. Do what the Bible says. Everybody talks about forgiveness. Yes, we're to forgive 70 times 7 if they repent. If they repent. We have this idea, well, you know, you're... You're not living your best life if you don't just forgive them and love them and go on. No, if they're living in sin or they've done something gross and more than wrong, and you just choose to forgive them and go on, you're not doing what the Bible said. If Brother Shane comes up to me, or Brother Shane gets in my billfold and steals what little money I got, he's done wrong to me. And I'm not going to let him know that it's all right until he lets me know he's sorry for what he done. I can love him. I can pray for him. I can try to help him. But I'm not going to tell him it's well, and everything's all right between us because it's not. And you need to realize you didn't get saved because everything was right between you and the Lord. You had to repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. You had to repent and tell the Lord you're sorry for your sin nature. For you're sorry for what you was and what you'd become and what you were doing. And when we fall out with the Lord today, we have to do those same things. Now, if I drop $5 in the parking lot, and there wasn't nobody around. And Brother Shane asked everybody in the world who that $5 was, and nobody claimed it, and he stuck it in his pocket. I wouldn't have any right to be mean to Brother Shane. Because Brother Shane didn't do what he'd done out of the bad motivation of his heart. And so the difference is, you and I can serve the Lord Jesus Christ when the motivation of our heart is towards God. Peter had a heart for God. He made a mistake. He loved the Lord. He got it right, and he went on for the glory and honor of God. And that's what Barnabas tried to do with Mark. So we have to weigh and we have to balance this thing out. People that are living in sin that want to do wrong and they don't want to do right. 
We do not go to them and give them free course to do whatever they want to do and act however they want to act. And we don't give them the platform and we don't give them the microphone and we don't give them the piano and we don't give them the pat on the back. But I tell you this, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. You know what we ought to be doing? Trying to help people that fall rise back up again. Because I'll tell you this, Paul got to the place in his life where he understood that we are to, uh, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is in reasonable service, and be not conformed or reduced to the likeness of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Every day we need a renewing. We need a renewing of our mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We will not do what's acceptable. We will not be in the perfect will of God if we do not renew our mind. Paul learned that. Barnabas already knew it. And Barnabas made it a point to go to John Mark and help John Mark renew his mind. You know what happened to John Mark out there? He seen something he wasn't expecting. He got out there and got a reality check and it messed up his mind. And Barnabas went to him and helped him. You know what's wrong with a lot of people in the house of God today? They just got a messed up mind. They've got mixed up. They've got deceived. They've deceived themselves. They need somebody to bring the word of God to them one more time and help them pick them back up and help them dust the, dust the dirt off and go on for the glory and honor of God. So Peter failed when he denied the Lord three times. Judas denied him as well, but he sold him out. But Peter's heart was for that of Christ. You know, Peter had a broken heart and he kept going towards Christ. You realize he got back up again and he went on. He got back up again and he done something for the glory and honor of God. If there's anybody in the word of God like, like Peter. It's, I mean, if I'm, any like, if I'm like anybody in the word of God, it'd be Peter. Somebody who's made mistake after mistake after mistake, said stupid things, put my foot in my mouth, uh, made judgment calls that were wrong in the past. But he's given me another opportunity. And I thank God that although Paul was trying to be like Christ, Barnabas understood what it was to be like the Holy Spirit. And I thank God that the Holy Spirit deals with us and deals with us and deals with us again and again and again. Let's all stand to our feet tonight, if you will. As the pianist comes, finds us a, a soft um, invitation tonight. I don't know where you're at. I don't know uh, what's, what, what, what this message was for tonight. But I, I'm thankful that we can be like Christ, but also have the attributes of the Holy Spirit for being like Christ is to have the attributes of the Holy Spirit. And we are to, to exemplify the fruit of the Spirit. And I thank God that Barnabas was the son of consolation and he had the attributes of the Holy Ghost. And you and I today simply need to understand today that we need people to help us in the ministry. We need people to magnify and glorify and uplift the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sure, you can do it if you want to. I can do it if I want to. We ought to want to help each other do it. If I love the Lord as much as I say I do, and you love the Lord as much as you say you do, and you're willing to live your life separated, dedicated, consecrated before God to bring Him glory and honor, then why in the world would we not want somebody else to do it as well? And so rather than walk off and leave people for what they are, let's help them become what they can be. Well, I tell you, there's been a lot of grace extended to me in my life to get me where I'm at. And we'll have to extend that grace of learning and opportunity to those that have failed before us. 
to help them become what God wants them to be. So that the ultimate goal and the end result is not only can I uplift his name, not only could you uplift his name, but we can uplift his name. That ought to be our goal tonight. You need to come do business with God. This altar is open while she plays. Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you for your blessings upon our life. Thank you for loving us, for taking care of us, for mercy and grace. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that indwells us, corrects us, puts us on the right path, gives us another opportunity, leads us along, helps us, God. We thank you so very much for that. Lord, for your presence in our life, in direction and guidance. We'd be lost without you. We were lost and separated from you and was saved on the day that you dealt with our heart and we accepted you as a personal Lord and Savior. Not only did you bridge that gap, but you've been with us, never forsaken us, led us along, and we thank you for that. Thank you for being our ultimate guide, the one that helps us through this wearisome land, this troublesome land. Lord, we ask tonight that you'd help us not to be uh, less than Paul. We want to be everything that Paul was for you. We want to look at our life and consider our life and uh, understand that our life is, uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, have to stand before you personally for what we've done with our life. But although we don't want to be any different than Paul, Lord, help us not to be any different than Barnabas tonight. And to realize that it's more than just what we can do for you, but to help others be able to do the same thing. Lord, help us to see the potential in people. Help us to strike a balance. And Lord, we know in order to strike a balance, we're going to have to be sober. We're going to have to be in our right mind. We're going to have to be able to discern. I pray, God, that everything we do in our life would be right and in order. We wouldn't let things go just for the sake of letting them go. Lord, that we would not hinder somebody from having the opportunity to grow and become more. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt there will be faults. There will be failures. There will be mistakes. Lord, you saved us knowing that we were failures. And Lord, it amazes me that you knew that and that you loved us anyway and died for us. Help us not to expect perfection out of folk, but to understand that there's going to be falters and there's going to be failures, but to help get them through it, train through it, work through it, so that we can uplift and magnify your name and bring glory and honor to you. We love you. Thank you for dying for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right, certainly appreciate it. You're good.